This is the Squeaky Bum Time Podcast, a CFCP production with Mike and Laurent. The show is back, but Mike is not. Uh, today's show, it's Thanksgiving. Thank you, everybody. Uh, for the people who listen, we love you. We appreciate you. On today's show, we will review quickly Champions League and then preview the Premier League fixture list. Uh, should be a good week. They usually are. But first, we have to discuss the passing of the great and powerful Diego Armando Maradona. Now, I am not going to dispute anything about his greatness, okay? I don't want to dispute his greatness. He meant something to so many people that it's beyond words, right? So I'm going to have a... I want to talk about more in general how we review our legends and how we revere our old-time nostalgia for players without diminishing Maradona. He burst onto the scene as a young guy in Argentina. He was just a legend. He played, I believe, in the 78 World Cup, missed out on the 82 World Cup, got kicked off the field, basically. And then legendarily, uh, Argentina wins the 86 World Cup in Mexico, Latin country, everyone into it. He scores the hand of God goal and dribbles through the entire English team in 1986. Very famous. And that is at a time when everyone, when there was much less televised sports and that would have been the only time anyone ever saw him, right? Around the world. So people in Argentina may have seen him for their team. It may not have been televised. People would have seen him in the World Cup. And this legendary figure lives because of that game and that World Cup. He scored five goals in seven games. He was electric. He had the ball at his feet. He was something that no one had ever seen. And it creates a mythology around him. And soccer is fantastic at mythology. Uh, things become, did you see when he touched the ball and went around seven people? Did you see when this happened? And that was before television, and that's great. I do not have a problem with the myth and legend of Maradona. You can see it in Argentina, people crying in the street. I get it. He becomes an epic figure from that World Cup in 82. He then goes to Barcelona, doesn't really have a great time, only plays 36 games over two seasons uh, in the league wins a couple Del Rey. It's a big deal, but he gets kicked around and is partying and they don't like it. And so they then move him on to Napoli where he becomes a complete legend. Uh, Napoli is, a, is the big club in Southern Italy. And if you know Italy, there's a North-South divide. There's a great documentary around all this. He wins the league for Italy twice over a three-year period in 90, in 86, 87, and then 89, 90, takes 89, 90 into the World Cup, and I believe they lose in the final to Germany. Anyway, so the legend is there. He, I, can't, I can't do justice to his legendary status. He just is that. He's a common man, man of the people. He's a, a godlike figure to the poor. He has this, he's sort of like the Pope, the way Pope Francis is right now for, young, for poor people in Argentina. That I can't argue with. What I can argue with is there's not a lot of footage of him. We, he lives in myth only. He lives in the moments of those goals. Yet he, and he's considered the greatest of all time. 
I just don't see how it's not Messi or Ronaldo. The difference between the current players, your Messi's and Ronaldo's, they're never going to have a chance to be the greatest of all time because there's no myth. We've seen every single game. Leonardo, Leo Messi, Lionel Messi, we've seen all 700 of his games, all 600 of his goals. There's no myth. He has half a dozen, if not more, goals, just like the, the goal that Maradona scored in a World Cup. The other thing is the World Cup holds this mythical status. The fact is national team sport is not as good. Like Messi has won the Champions League, the highest level. Sorry. It's the best soccer. Now, is it more important? No. But in terms of technical play, he's won it three times. Ronaldo's won it five times. These are far superior players. Far superior. I'm not going to judge Maradona. He was a drug addict. He was hopped up on cocaine and amphetamines all the time to the point that he died at 60 years old and displayed wildly erratic behavior all through his adult life. He was damaged and an alcoholic. So there's no way you can tell me that as a footballer, just from, I don't want to use numbers, but just from their accomplishments, that he was better. He's not. He's not better. He's more famous. He has a better myth. He has a better legend. There's no way he's better than Lionel Messi or Cristiano Ronaldo. Those two players, what they're doing in modern football is beyond the scope of anything any player ever did, ever. Period. They just are the gold standard, and we're never going to see players like them ever again. I don't think. I mean, I, I could be wrong, but just from the statistical record in the history of football, no one has scored goals and won like Cristiano and, Res and Messi. No one. Never. Ever. It's not close. Like, we're at the point where we're taking them for granted. People don't score 25 to 30 goals a year for 10 straight years. It simply doesn't happen. Ever. And I don't think people really understand that. We have a handful of great players through history, and I've been looking them up. You know, you look at George Best. You look at, you know, the one who, 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 who matches up with these guys in terms of goals is um, the bomber. Oh, God, I can't remember his name. Gerhard Müller in Germany. He scored a lot of goals like these guys. But he was a different player. He, he, didn't, he just was in the box and scored goals. But to score 700 goals or six, I don't even know the numbers off my head. These people, people don't understand how good Messi and Ronaldo are today because we've seen them. We take it for granted. We think this is normal. It's not normal. And what Maradona and Pele captured on was fleeting moments when you saw them in color in the World Cup once every four years in these incredible moments. They live in moments frozen. Frozen in time for those moments. And you create that they were great all the time in every game for them. But the fact is they weren't because we have the numbers. We have the stats. They missed games. They, they only played 25 games a year. They scored 20 goals. I mean, it's not close. It's not close. You know, I feel like if there's a contemporary that kind of feels like 
Maradona for an American sport person. I feel like it's Mickey Mantle. I feel like Mickey Mantle, flawed, loved, revered, winner, but fucked up, but loved by everyone. They just all loved him, even though he might have been a bad guy. Same goes for Maradona. But there's no World Cup of Baseball, so you don't get that moment. But, I mean, just in terms of winning, Cristiano has, has won so much, like won league after league after league after league. And Messi, 10-time champion of, of Spain, put Barcelona on his back. Uh, Maradona was at Barcelona and got kicked out of the league. Only played 36 games. Messi paid... 60 games in a year scored 100 goals like i i don't get it i don't get it it you know it's a better analogy it's it's how people think about bobby orr when when you compare him to like wayne gretzky bobby orr played nine seasons he changed the game he changed the position in hockey he did things no one had ever done but he played only nine years it's like and they won one cup and then you look at somebody like gretzky who just obliterated every record beyond comprehension to the point that we can't even put into context how good he was. And he's not even considered great by, his, by contemporary standards. He's just like this mythic thing. And you're like, are you fucking kidding me? Who are you kidding? So that's how I feel about, I feel about that. Like nostalgia is weird, man. It creates this narrative of, of beyondness. And I'm like, dude, it's not close. Messi and Ronaldo are so much better. Maradona lives in a moment, frozen. No one can ever touch him. He simply is a god. And these humans that we have every one of their games are now here, and we have to accept that they live as a, as a moment. Just to, to put it into context, right? Just a single stat. It doesn't matter. Uh, in his career from 1976 to 1998, and this is like he's old and all messed up. I'm counting every single game in all leagues he ever played. All competitions. Diego Maradona played 588 games and scored 312 goals. Really good. Very cool. And uh, Messi, let's see. Messi, just for context, just for context, Messi has played uh, somewhere in the range of 774 games and scored 650 goals. I mean, it's, it's, just, it's just not comparable. They're, not, they're playing in different planets. Like, Messi scored twice as many goals already. And he's boring. He doesn't have that swagger. He's not a normal person. He doesn't get drunk. He doesn't get fucked up. He's, he just goes home to his family. And so we venerate the troublemaker, the bad boy, the human, the flawed, the mea culpa, the bad boy who, who messes up and then comes back and says, please love me again. And we want him back because his story is better and the press love him, but he's not as good. Give me the boring guy who shows up. Give me the guy I can watch and trust. Give me the guy who scores the goals and carries the team year after year after year after year. I don't care about the back pages. I don't care about what he means. I don't care about him wearing a cross and kissing it and hugging babies. I don't care about that. Give me the winner. Give me Messi. Give me Ronaldo. Ronaldo's about the same numbers too. Over 700 games, over 600 goals. Wow. 
that's my that's my spiel. Let's talk about the Champions League really quickly. Um, the big the big result here is that Liverpool lost to Atalanta at home, which is a big deal because they lost at home. And I think Klopp was just we have too many games and was trying to squeeze one by. Liverpool were just not at this game. Atalanta's a really good team. They had beaten them already. And Liverpool will go through, but I think that there's a little bit of a yeah, Liverpool's already got nine points. Uh, but they could still they could still drop back because uh Ajax is on seven, Atalanta is on seven. So they'll probably go through. It's very likely between the two games, but they did lose at Anfield uh to Atalanta, who are really good. Papu Gomez with a crazy goal, crazy pass to Illich who put it in, and then another one where the defense got a little bit funky. I'll just bring up the defense. Um, Liverpool tried to get by with, with Sadio Mane and, and, and Mo Salah and Wijnaldum, but in the back they had Matip, Williams, Tezmakis, and, uh, and two Williams brothers, and those guys are kids. They did have Allison, so they, they tried to just out-offense them, but I think that they just... They didn't have the horses to try and compete, and he tried to get by with one because of the injury problems. Um, Real Madrid beat Inter. Arturo Vidal got sent off in the first half, arguing a yellow card. Really bad stuff. Hazard scored from the spot uh, at at seven minutes, and Inter just got beat. They look like they're going to drop out of the group stage uh, again, and Antonio Conte is looking really, really poor as a Champions League manager. At this point, Borussia Mönchengladbach and Real Madrid are ahead in the group. It looks like Inter are out, but crazier things have happened. Uh, But let's just go through the groups. Uh, Bayern are through. Uh, Atletico played a draw, and so they're still fighting with Lokomotiv Moscow. Salzburg looks like they're done. Like we said, Group B, Gladbach and Real Madrid are okay. Shakhtar uh, got beat. City won 1-0 against Olympiacos. Played more of the same that I've been talking about. City still creating chances. You know, a little bit better. Foden played. They haven't given up any goals, but in Champions League, you know, they're through. It's fine. They'll probably go through with Porto. Uh, Ajax beat Michelin again. Michelin has no win, so it'll be whoever can really beat people up. Uh, Chelsea won again. No problem. So Chelsea and Sevilla going through from Group E. Dortmund, Erling Holland, Incredible just scoring goals. He's the new future of the league. Big, strong, young, uh, playing for Dortmund. That'll be the next big name you hear about. Uh, Lazio probably going through. Club Bruges and Zenit are in trouble. Uh, Barcelona won again. Pretty easy. They didn't play. Um, They didn't play. uh, They didn't even send Messi there. They got that game done. So they're through. So Barcelona having trouble in the league, but not so much in the Champions League. So they're to, to the round of 16. Man United, shockingly got penalties um but you know uh bruno fernandez played really well and they're probably going to go through psg got a really big win against leipzig so that group is up in the air um uh, united on nine psg on six leipzig on six so there's a lot of stuff that's all done and dusted and we'll see how the other teams do uh, but that's really where we are in the champions league if you want specific scores eh, not interesting uh it's more interesting you know, what it means. Um, You know, Champions League is this big, it's the stage that all these teams want to win. It's the most important thing. Uh, So many leagues in Europe right now, aside from the Premier League, 
are really one or two club leagues at the best. So um, in France, it's been PSG. Monaco took one off them a few years ago, but basically they win that league going away. So the Champions League is their core goal. Um, they've won, like I said, eight, like six out of seven league titles in a row for PSG. They basically are Qatari Wealth Fund owned. owned. Uh, in Germany, um, Bayern Munich are probably through. They've won nine leagues in a row. The last team to win one, I believe, was was Wolfsburg or, or maybe even Dortmund 10 years ago. So that league's pretty locked up for Bayern. And so they only judge their seasons on the Champions League. Um, in Spain, it's either Real Madrid or Barcelona, both of them falling on hard times. And I think that's more structural. The way they did their TV contracts changed. So money is spread through the league. And those two teams are really basically poorly run. If you Because they're run like a corporation. They have to deal with shareholders. It's very weird. But basically, those two teams have won the league, aside from Atletico, once in 13-14 every year. So, again, the Champions League becomes important for them. So, leagues getting one is important. In, in England, we've had, we have many different champions. So, we've had – in the last five years, we've had Liverpool, City, Chelsea, Leicester, and Chelsea before that. So, four different champions. And before that, Man United won every year for decades with Arsenal even slipping. So there is an actual group of teams that buy for this uh, title. Um, Italy, we have Juventus just winning over and over and over again. They're also on like eight or nine in a row. So you can see that this Champions League is really a big deal. And if you don't make it, your season's kind of over because the rest of it isn't really competitive. So that's really, and the money there is, is huge. So it sort of is a, something to think about from a pol- political perspective why some of these leagues, and we've talked about it earlier, are trying to break away and make it into something more American, where each country has one team in a league that represents all of Europe. I don't think it's going to happen this week or this year, but it's a slow build to happen. Um, I'm not sure if it'll happen. I think European Union and European unity is on the docket. You've got Brexit. So maybe football doing it first might be tricky, but we'll see what happens there. But it is interesting to watch how the structure of these leagues works and how they're trying to retain these clubs, even though their leagues are basically broken because they don't have any method of competitive balance. So that's interesting. Anyway, let's get into the... Premier League fixtures coming up this week. Wowie wow. Okay, tomorrow we start the week with Palace Newcastle. Oh, that's terrible. I don't want to watch it. It's awful. That is sad. The early game on Saturday is Brighton-Liverpool. This should be good. This should be good. Liverpool away, so a little bit weaker. Uh, Brighton coming off a good result. They, You know I love Brighton where they beat uh, Villa away, having actually not outshot. So all the problems that Liverpool's been having, even though they were so great versus Leicester, we don't know. There may be a level of inconsistency. This will be another test. Brighton are a good side. They play football. They're not going to sit deep. So we'll see if Brighton can hurt them. Listen, they could get blown out. It's distinctly possible, uh, but we'll see. City uh, play Burnley, usually something easy. Just going to be another game where City have to try and break a team down. 
I'm expecting them to get a goal and then call it a day. That'll be a shitty game. Like, just please don't lose to fucking Burnley. God damn it, Manchester City. It's really been a referendum the last few weeks on my poor team that's really just not going well at all. Everton Leeds is also on Saturday. Should be really, really good. I mean, uh, Leeds were value for money again. Uh, Everton have been shaky at the back. I don't trust Keane. I don't trust um, I don't trust Yerry Mina. Uh, they also have Holgate back there. So Leeds should have, should have a good chance to score. Uh, but again, their defense is a little bit weak. They're a little bit man-to-man. Ancelotti's smart. They're at home. We'll see what's going on there. Um, one thing that's interesting that's coming up, fans may be returning to the stadiums in England. Should be the not this week, but next week uh, because of COVID testing. And it's going to be regional. So we'll see where teams are uh, on the third. Should be Arsenal will be the first team to have between two and 5,000 fans, depending on the level of COVID in the local area. West Brom, Sheffield. Oh, God. No, I'm not going to talk about that. A good game coming up. This is a Sunday game. Southampton versus Man United. Southampton drew their last game. You know we love him. We love the Hassan Hoodle. They're at home. Uh, Man United have not been good at home, but we'll see how Southampton play. This is an interesting one. If they try and sit deep and hit United on the counter, they'll have a better chance because United don't really break things down very well. But the way they freaking get penalties, I wouldn't be surprised if Man United just get a penalty and somehow win this game because that's what they do. The big game, the big, 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 big game is uh, also on Sunday. There's a couple big games on Sunday. Chelsea versus Tottenham. Tottenham coming off beating City 2-0. Chelsea buzzing, beating teams they should beat. But this will be another test for Tottenham. If if Tottenham can come through City uh, and Chelsea with two wins, they will be title favorites for sure. Uh, Tottenham were in the Europa League today. Played really, really well. Um, Very impressed with their depth. Very impressed with how they're getting on the front foot. I really like what's happening. It may be that that Mike's rubbing off on me, but I think Spurs are title contenders. They really are. Um, They do have to be careful. Um, Alderweireld is not there. So they have lost one of their main center back defenders. And their defense is weak. It's not what you'd consider a great defense. But I think between Sissoko and Hoipjörg, they have the protection they need, and hopefully they can minimize mistakes. I think that's the key thing for Spurs' defense is not to do stupid shit. Uh, you know, they, they, they do sit deep. It is what they do. The way Harry Kane's been playing has been amazing. Um, and Son is an incredible finisher. And, you know, we've got either Mora or Bergwine as the legs for them. So between Son and Kane, there's a, there's a magical connection there. Uh, and Dombele played in this Europa League game on Thursday, which is a concern. Maybe he'll – he only played at about 60 minutes, but we'll see if he's got the legs. Maybe Lo Celso will start, and we'll see how things go there. And then Arsenal play Wolves. Arsenal were, played the kids in the Europa League, had a little bit of a hard time, but then ended up getting the goals. Nicola Pepe was a little bit ball hoggy. We still don't know from Arsenal game to game. They are having a really hard time creating chances. They're playing very defensive. Uh, I saw a joke that they called, they called Mikel Arteta 
Paella Pulis, uh, which is a great name. Uh, Tony Pulis, known for his defensive measure and his tracksuits, uh, a guy you make fun of and you don't want your team to be. But, I mean, Arsenal have really playing bad. They're 14th in the table. Ugh. Wolves are good. They're not as good. They're getting better. I would, if I'm Wolves, I expect to win this game uh, or at least draw. Um, then Monday, Leicester play Fulham, don't care. And then West Ham, Aston Villa, that's actually a really good Monday game. Aston Villa, we love. We love what's going on with West Ham. Uh, Moyes has that team working for each other. That should be a good one. It's a lot of claret and blue. Don't know how I feel about that. There can only be, there's one claret and blue team too many. So I'd like to see Burnley go and just have Aston Villa and West Ham and claret and blue. Uh, these are shirts I'm talking about. Uh, so there's that. And that's where we are. I got to a half an hour without Mike. Uh, it's, it's an interesting week. It's a little bit more. Let's go through the standings and really have a look here. So Tottenham are top right now on a five-game on, on five winning streak. Uh, Liverpool behind them. Um, Tottenham are ahead on goal difference 12 to 5, and that seven-goal game really has damaged Liverpool. If they didn't have that destruction against them by Aston Villa, they'd probably be at a goal difference around, around where Spurs is, around 10. So they're close. Uh, Chelsea on 12, still, still right there. They are on a three-game winning streak, but they haven't really beat anybody great. Leicester are found out. They're a little bit of a pretender. They really got killed by, by Liverpool. So they sit in fourth. Uh, Southampton with the draw last week are now in fifth with a goal difference of four. Then Everton, Aston Villa, West Ham, Wolves, United, Palace, 12th and 13th, Arsenal, and Manchester City. Manchester City on 12 points. With a game in hand, Man United also have a game in hand. Then Leeds, Newcastle, Brighton, Burnley, and bringing up the bottom three are Fulham, West Brom, and Sheffield United. Uh, Again, I like to bring up goal difference because the three worst teams in the league, guess what? They both, they all three have the worst goal differences. (gasps) What? Brighton are down there too. They only had a minus two. City on a minus one. That's just awful, awful stuff. Uh, I'm going to go to a little bit more advanced stats to give you a different sense of what's going on there. Just because expected goals is a nice, fun stat to have a look at. Expected goals is this metric of where you're shooting from and the quality, whether you should have scored a goal. Uh, And expected goal difference right now, the top team is Liverpool at 9.4. So they're way ahead. So they're really, from the way they've played, they should be have a lot more goals. And a lot of that comes from the Aston Villa game where they gave up funky goals, deflections. So that sort of throws them off a little bit. And they're at expected goal difference of one goal per 90. Um, Tottenham, second strongest team at 0.6. Then Chelsea at 0.7. So the, the, the table reflects expected goals. Um, Villa are up there. They're in seventh, but they're fifth in expected goals. So the top four are as they should be with Liverpool being the best team and Tottenham being second. So right now it's sitting as expected. There's only one team that's really an outlier here. Um, 
Brighton on 16 with a, with a, with a positive um, expected goal difference. So we know that they really create chances and don't get chances to score. And then Southampton are in fifth, but have a poor goal difference. So that part really throws them off a bit. And then Fulham are the best of the worst teams, but Sheffield and West Brom are in the bottom of the expected goal difference standings. So you can get a sense of where teams are. The, the standings are relatively close um, right now. For historical purposes, City last year were at one and a half gold, expected goal difference, and this season they're at 0.28. Now, what does that mean? That is a sum of your expected goals against, which is what you would expect to give up as goals versus what you would expect to score as goals. And I go to FBref, so I go to FBref.com from this. This is from the guys who brought us baseball reference and basically revolutionized arguments about uh, baseball. Uh, they do a really good job of the NFL, really good focus on UX, so you can find everything you need to find. Uh, they're just working on it now, but it's a really good site, and I recommend it right now. You know, the expected goal difference leaders are Liverpool, Tottenham, Chelsea, Leicester, then West Ham, Everton, Aston Villa, City. City move, get a bump here a little bit, but not much, not much. And then um, we'd expect to see other teams there. Anyway, Mike and I will return on Monday to go over the results. He'll either be licking his wounds or singing we're going to win the league if, uh, if he can beat Chelsea. So that'll be the big game on Sunday. I will be watching all weekend, and everyone should enjoy their football. That was the Squeaky Bum Time podcast with Mike Salerno and Laurent Cortines. This was a crap football, crap pundit production. We will return on Mondays and Thursdays for the Premier League season. We will talk about soccer and other things that interest us. Mike is crazy. Laurent is insane. That's why it works.